If you're looking for the best horror, thriller, sci-fi and WTF audio fiction this side of the apocalypse, then you should listen to The Other Stories. With over 500 stories on the podcast feed already and news stories dropping every single Monday morning, The Other Stories is your new best friend. Check out The Other Stories today on any and all podcast platforms or head to theotherstories.net. After all, these aren't the stories your mother used to tell you. These are The Other Stories. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to The Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and today I am joined by uh, the man in the window himself, Mr. Andy Conduit Turner. Hello, Ben. How you doing? Doing good. How the devil are you doing? Yes, it's us again. Yeah, your podcast feeds everybody if you subscribe to this podcast, which you absolutely should. Um, Bloody awash with... Ben Errington, Andy Conduit, Turner, and friends content this week because we have been almost to the point we boys. where <laughs> almost to the point where I'm like, how are we going to squeeze in doing regular episodes? But then, but we've said we're doing regular episodes, so we got to do it. You know, we're committed to the calls. Yeah, we don't we don't scrimp just because we've got other things going on. Everyone, we will flag up top. We're going to keep this one efficient if we can because we're <laughs> recording recording round the clock right now with interviews and everything i mean ben hit it in the news but we have a very exciting event which unfolded quickly life came at us fast yesterday life always comes at you fast but w- what sets us apart i would say is how we think on our feet and uh <laughs> we're ready for any anything going down so yesterday we conducted an interview with the filmmaker, the director of Thorns, which is showing up Fright Fest this week. So obviously, yeah, we've been doing Fright Fest bonus content all over the place and we're attending the event at the end of this week. Um, we're going to be there for the whole thing, chatting to everybody, talking to everybody. Come say hi if you're there, um, of course. But yeah, we discussed with Douglas Schulz. We discussed Thorns. And we also had another special guest on that bonus episode. It was Doug Bradley himself, Pinhead himself, Hellraiser star and horror royalty, Doug Bradley. And we didn't even necessarily know he was going to be on that particular call. Until about an hour before it happened. Until about an hour before it happened, yeah. For some reason, I'd made the silly assumption. Never make an assumption, that's right, isn't it? That's right. It makes an ass out of you and me. 
That's right. <laughs> but they didn't know that because the people who we'd assumed that and then you know we could only make one out of ourselves. Exactly. There we go. And Doug Bradley attended and that episode is already on your feeds because that's how fast we're firing them out. Um yeah, and what a pleasure it was to speak to a man of of great horror stature. Um get some insight. We talk about his um in introduction to the genre, his favorites in the genre and religion and horror together. Yeah, very like you know for a 30-minute con- conversation and someone of that magnitude in the horror world come in to join and chat to little old, old us about it. I feel like, Ben, I should like say, and now for our Peeping Tom episode, Robert England's joining us. Just invite him into the call, but he's not. We haven't made that arrangement. That's fine. It's just me and you today. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I I feel like we deal with it, you know? I mean, it's pretty intense and I don't, I'm not, I'm not the type to always get starstruck. Um, I can be a bit like smiley i think like oh yeah okay, yeah you're a legend i like it but i feel like if anyone jumped in into this call right now i'd, I'd think on my feet i'd deal with it we've asked we'd ask hard-hitting questions we'd ask for hot takes and at the end of the day we'd come away with fantastic horror content yeah exactly this is the professional experience you guys have signed up for everybody so yeah, but it's been very exciting. Genuinely, it's super exciting. We've covered loads of interesting things. We've got another couple of interviews to wrap up before we hit the road. But um, yeah, and right then next been to us this year, it sure has. We've seen a lot of the films already, but we're looking forward to seeing a lot of the Fright Fest movies in London on the main screen. We've got Discovery tickets sorted as well. We're going to be on the media wall chatting to people, and it's going to be a different episode for next week. So rather than us being on Zoom chatting to each other which is lovely it's always a pleasure um but we're going to do something different where we kind of well we're not entirely sure how it's going to go but we're going to try our very best to podcast on the move which which means we're going to be doing like intros to to like the day um chatting to people at the event chatting to filmmakers at the event and then doing like sort of reaction to films we've seen stuff as well and then we're going to chop all that together fire it out as one big mega fright fest episode i mean there will be other bite size or smaller pieces of fright fest content over the weekend from us as well but after the event it'll be a big sexy podcast episode yeah, sexy if, it, that's correct. If, if this one's turned out short don't worry you're probably getting about eight hours of content next week everybody so strap in exactly that's true because not just us obviously our other co-host luke condor He'll be, be there. there. Ori- original co- co-host. He'll be there. I'm sure he'll have plenty to say. Um, and then, of course, people who have guested on the show um, are going to be attending. I don't want to list too many names because I don't want to just assume, don't want to do that again, that people are going to be there. I know John Crinan will be there, um, friend of the show, former guest. Janine Pipe, friend of the show, former guest. Um, and then loads of other people. Um, Becky, Becky from like two weeks ago is going to be uh, on our Talk To Me episode. She's going to be there as well. So I'm sure we're going to grab people and ask for their thoughts on the films they've been watching and just take it all in, take it all in, because we've never attended this event before. Yeah, it's going to be, I'm so, so excited. I'm even scheduled straight after work tonight, Ben. I'm going to be um, going to be off to get a haircut. So I'm looking my best in case I'm in front of the camera at any point. <laughs> Off to get your ears lowered. Yeah, off to get a haircut. Might even might even spring for a beard trim. What a time. Oh wow. Yeah. I'll make sure I'm looking 
as fresh as possible, as fresh as fresh as can be. I've already I've already looked in the wardrobe and gone, which horror movie T-shirt am I going to wear? Because it's got to be that, right? I can't I can't scrimp on that. Imagine that you get up and there's something in the wash. Real life horrors. There's no time. It won't be dry. It'll go go mouldy in your that's, bag. That's probably going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, come on, get your laundry done tonight. Get it on. Get it on the line. Anyway, we're going quick. What's the what? <laughs> we can't, we anyway, can't, we're going. Quick. We can't. We um, not really much to share in the what we've been watching because it's been for me, Ben. I don't know about you. Exclusively fright fest content, wall to wall, apart from the fright fest. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms in terms of horror news, that's why there, there isn't too much. The horror news is that we're attending Fright Fest, and the other horror news is that our interviews are live. So, obviously, the last few interviews we've done, um, Andy interviewed the Werewolf Santa director um, for earlier this week, Aerol Hales. That's correct, isn't it? Yep. Yep. Um, I interviewed the Paradolia director, Aaron Truss, former guest and he's that's on that's on the feed as well i've just conducted an interview with takeshi kashida director of my mother's eyes so that will be live on the feeds probably from tomorrow which is you know fascinating this first q a in english as well so an absolute honor to be able to so conduct exciting. that so exciting uh, in terms of horror news pretty low pretty thin on the ground but i am going to mention one thing because i found this quite fascinating um and interesting so obviously the texas chainsaw massacre day was just a couple of days ago and that is the day that the events of the movie took place on august the 18th i think <clears throat> 50 years ago since that happened um and if you that that feels kind of crazy but even in the texas chainsaw um new movie that was on netflix last year they said ah oh, 50 years since the events of that Leatherface is still knocking about and he hadn't done a murder since. So that's kind of crazy. Time moves quickly when you're not murdering. But anyway, that game's out. I've not got it, but I've kind of been watching people play it. It is a bit like the Dead by Daylight scenario 4v1 thing. But something really weird, and this I thought I had to mention, AEW Wrestling had a Texas Chainsaw Massacre death match sponsored okay. by the game. <laughs> sponsored by the game. Um, it was between Jeff Hardy and Jeff Jarrett. It was very bloody. There was Could lots of whack, blood involved. Whack each other onto hooks, skin each other's faces off. But listen to this, Andy. One thing you won't believe. Leatherface turned up. I, I don't believe it. <laughs> there was like a belt. So there was a there was an AEW belt, which was like Texas Chainsaw themed, which looks lovely, by the way. It's got Leatherface on it. It looks great. But as the match continued and sort of things were happening, it was kind of like a hardcore match, essentially, like with um, vague Texas Chainsaw Massacre theming. Leatherface showed up. Somebody in a full Leatherface costume, blue suit, um, ran down to the ring, swinging the chainsaw and just like chased somebody off. But it was very camp, very over the top, very silly. But I think if you're a fan of that franchise in any way, you're going to have to go and check this out and watch it because with all the gimmicky hijinks to take place in wrestling matches over the years when something like this happens. Cause there was like army of the dead did a promo match for WWE when that film came out on Netflix. Um, and that was very similar. One of the wrestlers was a robot. In the wrestlers. <laughs> no, no, they, they didn't include that bit. There was just zombies around the ring and it like almost like a lumberjack match. Um, but yeah, go and check out this Texas chainsaw death match. I think there are, 
highlights of it on <laughs> on on youtube i watched in and, and fairly fairly enjoyed it that i mean that was all i was going to mention horror news wise in terms of what we've been watching yeah it's pretty much exclusively fright fest films so we don't really want to talk about them too much i did watch the movie vamp just a little fright fest break a little fright fest break where i went i'm just gonna watch another horror film um so the 1986 grace jones um starring vampire film have you seen this andy I have not. I saw you'd seen it though, and I added it to my my list to keep an eye on it. Do you know what? It's all right. Story wise, bit weird. Didn't really know what was happening or why. But Grace Jones is great and actually pretty terrifying once she fully goes vampire. It's got the most eighties lighting ever seen on film, though. Everything is pink, uh, like purple and green. No matter where they are, they're in a sewer. It's lit up in purple and green. Uh, they're in like a their back sewer. <laughs> Like a turtle sewer. They're in a they're in a strip club, purple and green. Um I think visually like it's got some good good stuff going on. But yeah, story wise, I was a bit like, don't really get it. But still, pretty good. I'd recommend it. Um I also watched and this was an actual Fright Fest break. I watched a movie called No Hard Feelings, so like a comedy. I want to say romantic comedy, but I don't know. It kind of like I kinda of liked it because it avoids like genre tropes and like doesn't it's not predictable in terms of a third act resolution where it goes, obviously the main character is going to fall in love. Oh, we love each other now. So there's a bit of an age gap between the characters. And I thought that was kind of strange. That was kind of what made me feel like as a 2023 R rated comedy, it felt a bit odd, but there's a particular scene with Jennifer Lawrence, (laughs) which is going to go down in cinema history. There is a nude fight scene. Yeah. Where Jennifer Lawrence commits to a, reverse like a back suplex fully naked and the art she gets when she lands that suplex is is superb so go and check that out if you get best, a chance. best in the business oh i mean jennifer lawrence always uh good job she's turned a hand to many genres including horror um yeah. yeah i'm a big 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 fan funny though ben you've mentioned the real life horrors of uh age gap relationships people don't tend to pull it up when um and it's Leonardo DiCaprio being grossly much older than his uh, than his female co-star. Yeah, that's true. Oh, um, I mean, not all men, I guess. There are. So wait, is it always his co-star, or is it just in real life? I thought in real life he's more like. If you're over twenty-five, I got no interest in you. You've allegedly. had too many. There you go. Allegedly, <laughs> and allegedly, um, Jennifer Lawrence did mention so she, i don't know if you saw her hot ones interview where she's eating the chicken wings and, and i have again she i think she was involved with darren aronofsky during the filming of mother which i guess you could say is like horror adjacent isn't it kind of i've ne- of never movie. seen mother i do like darren aronofsky because i like saying his name in the tune to lady gargoyle's alejandro <laughs> Aronofsky, Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky, Darren Aronofsky. That's it. That's much better. Yeah, that's much oh, better. There you go. But she did. She did admit in that interview, Jennifer Lawrence, that she didn't know what Mother was about and still doesn't understand it to this day. I don't know if she was just saying that for a laugh, but mother, if you enjoy, if you enjoy watching hot ones, which I sometimes do, I think the Jennifer Lawrence one is probably one of the best ones there is because well, check it out. She she seriously panics. On her, on her way for it and yeah after watching that film I did realise I think I knew already but I did realise I'm a lover so uh, <laughs> let's 
So, um, so you haven't watched anything else other than Flight Fest? Other than things? Fright Fest content and some of the week, Peeping Tom. That may be the quickest we've ever got to say in film the week um, on this podcast. So much so that I almost feel like slowing it down a bit, but I can't. I don't want to put the brakes on. We've got to keep going. Conf- our content is a rolling stone <laughs> peeping tom and i told you before every time i write peeping tom down which has been a few times recently type it i mean i write peeing tom which is a totally different um movie if you yeah. can find it you can different find genre it. so i'm sure there's a peeing tom if you look in the right place peeping tom which is the film of the week is a 1960 british psychological horror film directed by michael powell um starring carl boehm Anna Massey and Moira Shearer. The film revolves around a serial killer who murders women while using a portable film camera to record their dying expressions of terror. The dirty, rotten bastard. Um, 7.6 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes. 95% critic score. 85% audience score. 4.0 on Letterboxd. Got some choice reviews for you here. Uh, Cassandra says, I bet Hitchcock wishes he made this. Came out in the same year as Psycho, didn't it? Um, That's me adding that. That's not, she didn't say that. I've added that. Um, Todd says, a tripod blade is a pretty sweet weapon for a serial killer. I kind of agree with that. So he's given it four stars, sorry. Cassandra gave it four and a half stars. I kind of agree with that, but I reckon I'd forget that I've got a tripod blade a few times. I'd be out out and about doing actual filmmaking stuff. You'd pierce your foot with a spike. (laughs) I'll pierce my foot with a spike straight outside the dirty news agents, which is where he spends a lot of his time. Alex Coleman says a deeply disturbing character study that has an eerie way of blurring the lines between the silver screen and our reality. Four stars. Uh, and Justin the Clue says, well, he's given it four and a half stars as well, which is good. This film is about vloggers. He didn't, it's not written in capitals. I don't know. I said it like that. Um, yeah, he's vlog. He's vlogging. So he's seriously vlogging before vlogging was ever popular. What are you filming this for? I mean, this could be a fine footage film if you yeah. broke it down, couldn't Peeping it? Tom, Peeping Tom, not only the first slasher movie or one of the first, but also the first vlogger, first live streamer. This is his the first real. live streamer, the first, the first vlogger. Um, yeah, he, so he puts all his footage together in a snuff film, used for his own pleasure. I've heard this compared to things like American Psycho as well, but of course, a very, very different. Um, performance and character. Arguably, Peeping Tom is a nicer man than American Psycho. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't think you'd want either of them in your house, but nice man. Um, And I mean, the accents on show in this, obviously, is set in the UK, in London. The well-to-do, lovely British accents. Uh, Did you you find yourself replicating them? I mean, yeah. Whatever for? A snuff film? How peculiar. What, I mean, there's a lot. Of... I like to understand what I'm watching, Peeping Tom, although it's not his name. His name is um, not Lewis. Mark. That's his last name, Mark. I like to know what Mark. I'm watching, Mark. He's oh, got. What, what, what a, a naughty direct... boy. I hope you got spanked. Yeah, she says that. She's the kind of. She watches a very disturbing film of his and, and then goes away and goes, Yeah, he could be my boyfriend. I'll go on a date with him. Why not? Totally yeah. fine. We'll we'll come to it. But um, where do we begin with Peeping Tom? I mean, I 
I didn't recognize many of the actors from other from other things. I know that it really impacted the director's career because the critics of the time said, oh, mate, nasty, horrible film. You're a wrong gun. But now yeah. it's been kind of critically reappraised and people uh, really appreciate what, so, it, what it is because I found it was really well made. It's really well made, yeah. And the pacing's great. Like, obviously, there's not much in terms of the way of gore i mean even though people get killed you don't really see much of it it was directed by michael powell just looking at a picture of him now i'm pretty sure he was also the dad in the movie um I know we see him out of, we see him out of focus don't we for a second but when um, young yes. carl is played by looks like the little old man that played old man steptoe doing his like mugging faces when he's getting <laughs> When, he's getting woke, when he gets woken up in the morning with his dad because I have a bloody lizard on your bed mate <laughs> <laughs> it's a horrible way to wake up to be fair what is that some kind of lizard he's put on your bed yeah that's right he was just... doing experiments on me make, just make a cup of tea dad put a bacon sandwich on no I know what he's trying to have do a, he's, have trying a to create, he's trying to create a mutant like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles he's going maybe if I put a lizard on my son's bed um, either that or I'm, I imagine he's thinking I, I tell you what Kitty's asleep. He gets his video camera out. He goes, I took this lizard on his bed. He'll do something funny. Beadle will pay out. Beadle. <laughs> Jeremy Beadle will whack us £250. In 1960s money, £250 when full sex with a prostitute, sex worker, will cost you only £2. Jesus. Beadle's you 250 could... quid would take you a you long way. Go... Buy an go island crazy. in the Caribbean. Crazy at the brothel. Or if you want to buy a book of what does he buy a book of? Just naked pictures for a fiver. <laughs> they're, they're a fiver. They cost two. A book of a book of softcore pornography from your local news agents will cost you two and a half sexes equivalent. <laughs> That's how they do it. They got the they got the price listed on the wall. They go two and a half sexes for that. One and a half sex. You got me down to four pound ten, and I'll throw in the Telegraph and the <laughs> Times. <laughs> the, two, the newspaper. Hang on a minute though. When I'm leaving, people are going to know I've got a book of porn. Don't worry. I've got an envelope here. <laughs> I've got I've got an envelope here which says educational books diagonally across I would if I saw some of that, I'd know it was porn more so than if I actually saw the cover of what it was. I go this that's porn hundred percent. This is the piece of merch that I want to take away from this film. I want a manila envelope with educational books written on it. Well so you should carry uh, everywhere. You should carry. You should go to conventions with that um, as the most niche <laughs> cosplay. Oh, ever. when we go to when we go to Thought Bubble later this year, maybe we'll put our comics and horror books into envelopes that say educational books that we'll hand them over to people. In. <laughs> Do you ever get home and your parents make fun of you for coming home with comic books? They go, "Oh, grow up for God's sake!" Then th don't fear. Because we've got these Melilla envelopes for you, you dirty bastard. So, um, educational books. Uh, so obviously the, the main star is Carl Boehm as Mark Lewis. Anna Massey is Helen Stevens, who's like the, the I guess you I guess you would say like the love interest slash um she's got a blind mum. Got a blind mum. Moira Shearer is Vivian, who's the one who does that annoying dance that goes on way too long. Well that entire um, musical number in the middle. And then starts playing it again in the background. Oh, turn it in. Um, then obviously there is Maxine Audley as Mrs. Stevens, who is Helen Stevens' mum. Um, there's some other sort of like bit part players. There's a random 
man who like knew Mark's dad at one point. Uh, the bloke oh, the, who the runs the news agent. The, the, uh, yeah. Oh, the psychiatrist who sort of tells him stuff about that. Um, yeah, the bloke who runs the dirty news agents. It's a lovely news agents, but there's pictures of naked people on the walls. However, a child comes in at one point. Oh, that that guy would be beside himself, wouldn't he? Just has been looking through, not not the porn that's on the walls, but the porn that was so extreme that the guy had to hand it to him in like a little sort of a secret folder <laughs> just as he's completing his purchase the door the little bell to the shop goes things oh no is it going to be worse is it gonna... what could be worse? Like... is it going to be the vicar is it going to be like you know <laughs> the well-to-do woman for that no it's an actual kid he's like <sighs> every time someone walks in the man goes oh oh no yeah. and he sold carl to make him made made him made carl to make to make himself look busy so he just stands in a corner looking vaguely at the newspapers like he's on standby. That's what you got to do these days. That's what you got to do these days. Um, so yeah, obviously considered one of the first like slasher movies, psychological horror thriller film. Um, he's a voyeur, I guess, but he takes it one step too far. And are we supposed to believe that it's because of the experiments his dad did to him that has, has yeah, made him a little bit get, of a wrong? Yeah, woke up in the morning and have lizards choked on you enough times, it'll send anyone round the bend. Yeah. I reckon you'd. I'd. I'd make that sure the lizard was gradually bigger until it was like a Komodo dragon. <laughs> it's a pretty big lizard. Just to tear, to scare the shit out of him. Um. Yeah. So that's that's obviously like the cast. There is anyone else I'm missing? Oh yeah. There's there's two women that he like takes photos of. I guess for their equivalent of of OnlyFans back in 1960. Um, postcard in a phone box. I don't know. Um. Including a woman with like a a facial disfigurement. She had like a hair lip that's been um, corrected, yeah, right? And then when he turns around and sees it. that, but he yells, but he cream in his jeans when he turns around and looks at it. He's like, ah, oh, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> As a voyeur, right? I mean, he's obviously experienced voyeur, but he's got no tact with it. He will stop and stare if he has to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Get yourself a pair of sunglasses, Mark. Come on. Yeah. So where does it start? Obviously, we see it's basically all from the peeping Tom's point of view. We start, we see everything through his camera's viewfinder. A beautiful um, Technicolor sixty street, right? Oh yeah, definitely. I I kept thinking like, wow, this must have been amazing to like wander around uh, in London back in those days. I mean, maybe not the insides of the houses looked a bit naff, but all, all brown. the exterior shot, all brown, brown all curry brown wallpaper. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so it begins just in that beautiful lit London London street where there is a sex worker hanging out. Well, we don't know she's a sex worker, but she it's quickly revealed when the first line she has in the program is, All right, two pounds. All right, two pounds. Well, she might just be um selling advice. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Psychiatric help. But unfortunately, that's not what uh it's not what she's able to dish out because we see it says in the synopsis here, that he's covertly filming her with a camera, but I you think, can't be I think, covert back in the nineteen sixty, can you? I think our standards for what is covert is as 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 increased because he's got it sticking out of his jacket like a triple lens, <laughs> like winding. <laughs> this probably that sounds like it's ticking the whole time. It's like, have you got it's... a secret camera there? No, sounds like a generator under your coat. Yeah, but she, she he follows her upstairs. Um, you see him throw some film boxes in the bin. It's all 
first person. I think this is where this gets the reputation of being one of the first things we consider a slasher movie. I think it's certainly one of the first cases of... But what's interesting about it is that as as the first... The fact that this film is from the point of view of said slasher. Yeah, that's, that's where we... I think that's what characterizes it as one of the first slasher movies, getting the things that, you know, we'd be familiar with from seeing Mike yeah. Myers do it later, seeing a Jason get the get the first person view. Um we, we we get it here in Peeping Tom, one of the earliest examples, if not the earliest. I won't say the earliest because I'm we'll get tweets saying, well actually in 1959 there was something called whatever Peeping Tom. Or Peeping Tom. Yeah, just Peeping Tom. Peeping Tom having a little wee. Um, but yeah, obviously loads of things that are familiar with that. I mean, similar to like when we watched Cat People, which is the movie where Luke Condor's favorite film, Luke Condor's number one A plus film. Uh, allegedly, like the first jump scare, obviously, with the hissing of the bus, um, arriving when you think something scary is going to happen. The first jump scare, even in things that have clearly inspired decades of films that come after that, it still feels like these tropes are very like bedded in. It doesn't feel like this is the first time we've ever seen it. It feels like this is something that the filmmakers familiar with and we've probably seen on screen before when it isn't. Yeah. And this and it yeah, it makes it phenomenal thinking that it pioneered a lot of these things, right? Because this first scene we open with here, so um the 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 woman goes upstairs followed by peeping Tom. Um and she starts undressing. It's the 1960s, so she has infinite layers on. She's wearing <laughs> infinite layers. I like it when the more the more layers, the better. All yeah, right. So she's That's wearing she's wearing moderately less clothing. At one point, she turns around, and then we see like some light shine on her eyes, and then she's immediately terrified by this. She's what 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 she sees. She's like nah, just a. <laughs> Well, this is the thing. Obviously, we don't understand what she sees that, that she's going to be terrified of. I kept thinking, what could it possibly be? Halfway through the film, I said, like, it's that bloody lizard. He's got it. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this here lizard. Look at this. I bloody hate lizards. Jesus. <laughs> ah. she, so possibly a lizard. We don't know yet. He's shown us something that's ever so spooky. Um, and she screams as the camera basically pans in on her. Obviously, in the 1960s, humans hadn't evolved the thought to run away when something nasty's coming or try to escape you just kind of fall back and accept your fate and you strike me and again i'm not making assumptions here andy i wouldn't do that but you strike me as somebody who perhaps partakes in in sex work in the way she does maybe in the area she does um with the clientele she does i'm sure she's come across some right weirdos before right and she probably understands what she should possibly possibly do if someone threatens her or hurts her in any way um but no she just lies down and and then screams which i'm surprised by she looked like she could handle herself yeah you wouldn't mess with her looks like she'd give you a bloody bunch of fives certainly be trying <laughs> to spook her um bunch of fives but um yeah we then cut to the next morning and the police are removing the body from the scene um and uh, lovely bit of pun work here ben um the we see uh, our hero, Peeping Tom, Carl. He's filming the uh, police taking the body out of it. He's returning to the scene of the crime like a like a murder often will. Um, yeah. And one of the policemen comes over and goes, here, 
what newspaper are you with? And if you were peeping Tom, what newspaper would you say you worked for? Uh, I'm going to tell you exactly what he says. Exactly what he says. It's the best one the to pick. The Observer. The Observer, you see, because... I'm just the Observer. What do observers do? They're pretty looking at stuff all the time, aren't they? They have a good peep. I would have panicked and gone, the, 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 the Daily Sports! Oh, no. Uh, oh, uh, news of the world. It is like that, right? Never take me seriously. Get out of that, here. That, right? News of the world. That's discontinued. Oh, not in 1960. Uh, no, in get out of here. Heyday. He's fit. Obviously, there's a lot of people gathered around as well. And also, on the the newspaper, the same day, it's like front page news. I'm thinking, they literally just discovered the body. How has it made it to print already and got a photo of her? And it just says, girl discovered. Didn't even try and identify. They've got a photo of her. They didn't try and identify her in the paper. Just say, girl found dead. Yeah, and they've got, they've, I mean, to the newspaper's credit, they've used one of the, like, uh, looks like she had some professional headshots done. <laughs> yeah, it does. They've hunted them down. They've gone right. Got to find some good ones here. Can't we um, can't stitch her. We can't stitch her up. And Peeping Tom, aka Carl, appears to have a couple of jobs because this is the scene where he's gone into the news agent. He's gone. Oh, bleep! You're late. He's a well. Okay, so he's he's late. So he's late for work, but he doesn't work at the news agent. So he goes. Oh, someone's coming and look busy. And this is where we get the man come and go. So wait. So he doesn't work at the news agents. Oh no, I, he he works for the news agent taking photos of those women upstairs. That's right, yeah. You, was, it was it, confusing, wasn't it? Because I'm like, what is he? Is he a paper boy? Is he stacking the shelves? He's like a Peter um, Parker character that's J. Jonah Jameson. So get me pictures of <laughs> get me pictures of, of ladies, please. <laughs> In slightly less clothes that people would wear on the street. Um so he says you're late, but oh quick look busy because someone's coming, but don't worry. You needn't have worried because it is a man looking to um, looking to buy Chase. Some, some pornos. He's like, it's a man. Have, can I have the Telegraph, to... please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Times? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and he's, he's building up to it. He's a bit shy. And a, a lion bar. A packet of opal <laughs> fruits, please. Um, opal fruits, yeah. yep. And have you got, you, got anything, you got anything else? The guy's like, and have you been, sir? Um, <laughs> something to freshen things up a little bit? Oh, uh, some Tic Tacs. Yeah, no, no, I mean, something, uh, I heard you sell some views. He goes, what, this this Viewmaster that you can click and see, like, you know, screens of dinosaurs? No, um, something something else that sells views. Oh, this is a little news agent's Kevin May. I don't sell sea views. He'd have to go to a hotel or something. It's like, look, and then he gives up and he gives up. Goes, Listen, I want <laughs> hardcore pornography that me an old man in 1960 has probably never seen the likes of ever it probably put me in a coma some of the stuff i want to see something like that all right yeah 2023 pornography would just would ruin this man i reckon i could like you'd have a heart attack yeah i think if i had some like if i was having to go back to 1960s and someone said right you're gonna need to defend yourself here but you're not allowed anything traditionally considered a weapon I reckon just a short amount of modern pornography, it'd be it'd be unstoppable. Like it'd be like that you could go and say, right, I'm gonna destroy your mind. And they'd be like, well, 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 I don't think you could. I think I'm a very powerful minded person. You could say, Yeah, have a look at this then. The, I reckon it'd be like the Ark of the Covenant. I reckon the hair would fall out <laughs> and they'd just melt away. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what are you? Some kind of wizard? 
Yeah, yeah. It wouldn't even be the fact that I'd have it on. I imagine an iPhone. This device in your hand that can. It's like you've learned terrible truths. Like you've learned like the mysteries of Cthulhu or learned God's true yeah, name. No, it, it just erodes them from the inside out. They just ignore the fact that it's uh, it's an iPhone. They just go, oh, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, How unfor- unfortunately, such... this, this technology doesn't exist yet. So it's just, we don't see on screen. I'd imagine it's uh, a lady in just one or two, just one or two jumpers. Lady in red, yeah. Um, it's a lady. I mean, we we make jokes about last probably a bit of ankle or something. It's not. It's probably just like some sort of lingerie outerwear, bedroom clothes. Yeah, bedroom um, bedroom attire. And that guy literally is like having a nosebleed. He's like, I'll <laughs> like, oh, oh, well, get myself home because I've got an absolute rape. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I'll have this one. Oh, and I must have this one. Tell you what. How much for the old book, mate? And he's like, I'll have the old book. Fiver. And he's like, oh, wow. Fiver. And he's like, I'll tell you what, £3.10 and I'll give you your telegraph. I'd um, be like, how horny can he be if even a fiver? He's like, well, I'm not so sure about that. Seems a bit of a ripoff to me. Yeah, he's like, sorry. But then he gets a little bit embarrassed because like a little kid comes in and goes, oh, can I have um, a Wonka bar, please? He goes, oh, that'll be... Weird that a little kid comes in. Three and... That'll be three, three D, six shillings, whatever the pre-decimalization currency of the UK was, which I find absolutely <laughs> impenetrable. <laughs> oh, that's 18 shillings and three bob, please. Yeah, confusing. Um, so he, he, he buys that. He almost forgets his newspaper. So desperate is he to get home and, <laughs> and bash a few out to these uh, pornos he's just bought. But as you say, Ben, thankfully concealed in a thing of educational books. He could work for the Prime Minister and they'd say, um, what's in that box, in that envelope? Educational books, sir. Carry on. It's just educational books. Well, let's have a look then. What, you doubting me? Doubting what well, I'm this is for my education. Go and buy your own. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, so he, he's off. But then Carl gets up to work, which is taking the pictures for this news agent to sell. Uh, the news agent brings up a cup of tea on the house. He goes on the house. Goes, Bloody hell, tight. <laughs> on, the house. on the house, cup of tea. Uh, it is an old, it is an old party, though, isn't it? Lovely. That's what yeah. I like. Lovely hot, lovely hot drink to and get he's, the juices flowing. He's taking the pictures of a couple of these women. Um, one of them seems like an old hand at it. She's like, "Bloody hell, let's get on the." tiger skin rug and get this done shall we we've all got places so they've got a weird like um like see, they've set up like a scene which kind of makes it look like an alleyway in like a teenage written ninja turtles alleyway like a brick wall yeah green and purples it's very weird and but he he, he takes it seriously because he's like he says something to her at one point look up there at the something and she's like what where look at the sea goes, i just wondered see excuse me are you off your head and he goes, I just wanted a lovely, confused face. He obviously doesn't... The standard things don't do it for him these days, as we understand from the fact that he's out there murdering. Um, he likes things a little bit against the grain. Hence, a confused face. And then obviously, in a minute, a physical um, disfigurement. A minor disfigurement. Somebody's lip a little bit. He loves it. Obviously, this act, this model is like, oh, apparently I haven't got to show my face. So she's just going, just take pictures of me bod. 
and he's yeah, gone. And he's gone, no, yeah. but he would take pictures of your face. Absolutely brilliant. not. I'd like to take a picture of your face, if that's okay. He's getting right up in it with a camera here. And it, and it is, we're making light, but it is, it's effective filmmaking, right? Because the obsession that comes through it, very well acted, is Carl Bohm as Mark Lewis. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I believe it. That's the thing. Maybe not good for him. Maybe he was typecast <laughs> for being a wrong one. But, well, I don't know that, obviously. But, yeah, very effective, very good performance from, from it. I think everyone involved. He is later to be known as comedian Rob Beckett. He's got quite a bit of that face about him and hair. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Yes, yeah, so he's, this is yet another part of his his job, and we'll, we'll we reveal his other job that he has nine to five when he's not taking pornographic photos for the newsagent later. But for now, he goes home and we meet another character. He's getting in. Um, and you know he's taken his films. We already saw him watching them earlier on his screen. So he goes back to his end of the day retreat at the end of the day of taking these photographs. When Helen Helen Stevens comes out of a birthday party, very precocious. So she's like, "All right, what's having, your name?" She's having a birthday party, and he looks through the window. And I know she's she's supposed to be twenty one, right? I'm like, bloody hell. Uh, Obviously, of course, 1960, everyone looks slightly older. Not because oil of Olay didn't exist, but, you know, just because people's hair and, and the way they dress. Uh, everyone at the party is bloody old, though. I was like, who are these people hanging around with a 21-year-old lady? Oh, and it's this Mr. Friendzone that comes out. It's like, come on, Helen, you must get back to the party. All right, Friendzone Pete, leave me alone. Yeah, there. And she goes, I'm giving a bit of cake to Carl. Oh, he comes in to do it. So she tries to entice him to the party. She's, oh, you know what? We've lived here for ages. Um, But we've never said hello. So I was determined I was going to say hello to you today. Why don't you come to my 21st birthday party? And he's like, oh, sorry. How do you do? Yeah. Um, Um, He's not really working. He wants to watch his murder films. He pretty much goes straight upstairs to watch the murder films that, that he's been filming all day he doesn't even he doesn't even take his shoes off i don't reckon he just goes upstairs and goes right that's it get the murder films on um full blast yeah he wants his murder films on but then helen comes to knock at the door brings him a honking great slice of cake it's a massive slice of cake got a candle in it still burning (laughs) the candle's still burning do you not want to blow this one out it's your birthday no not interested sorry she blows it out even that said that now you sing happy birthday then he blows it and he <laughs> you can see that I think this is what the cool thing is about Mark Lewis as a character. It's revealed very quickly. Like there is no secret about it that he is the murderer as soon as he's on screens, he's filming yeah, this. It's not it's not like a who done it. We're not trying to work out who this person who, who peeping be. Tom is. Like Mark is peeping Tom. But he mm. he invites Helen in. He's like, Oh, I'd like to invite you for to, for a drink. He says, Oh, you can invite us in for a drink, goes in. Oh, I don't actually have anything to drink, for fuck's sake. Um, well, you can have... I've can actually have, got nothing to drink. I've actually got nothing to drink. He says, well, I'll have a glass of water, because when you're the host of a party, you can't have water. And he's like... He, he, he tries to go up from there, though. He's like, get your glass of milk if you want. Just, that'd be oh, lovely. Yeah. Delicious. 1960, How that's exciting. hard to come by. There wasn't much... Is there? There wasn't European milk lakes then, Ben. It wasn't like, you know, <laughs> surplus. If you've got milk... It's a rarity. Semi-skimmed. Skimmed. Yeah. Full fat. Who knows if semi Maybe it was just a binary thing back then. Maybe it was either skimmed or not. But now, 
You just have a yeah. little bit of a go at the skimming. But Maybe just milk. who knows what existed then? Yeah. Um, but you, no, you get to a glass of milk know. and she goes, oh, I'll tell you what, little birthday present for me. Why don't you show me your films? You're a filmmaker. She's like, okay, yeah, I'll show you my films. He's like, what were you working on just now? He's like, oh, I can't show you that. It's a bloody murder film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll choose something. I'll show you something that. far more in a, far more appropriate for you. Yeah, he shows a, a video of... Childhood when, trauma, the movie. A little boy, his dad, a psychologist, because uh, he reveals this very quickly, was really interested in the impact of fear. And then I would argue making being a good psychiatrist is not necessarily in line with being a good parent because it shows basically little baby little baby Mark sitting there having a sleep and then getting woken up with a bit of light being shone in his eyes all the time. And then the lizard, the famous lizard of peeping Tom getting wanged onto his bed and like a little boy just go, no, bloody lizard. Ah. And this lizard's it's trying a to bloody get lizard. Him. And then crying afterwards. Yeah, and, then and his dad filming afterwards. it going, that's right, cry it up, you little wib. Yeah, it keeps showing like, come on now, don't be silly. Here's a here's a dry those eyes. Um yeah. and, and then also videoing him saying goodbye to his mom on her deathbed, having a shit one at a yeah. funeral. Um Yeah, he's filming all the bad stuff. His new and then his new then it quickly comes in like, oh yeah, this is him marrying this new woman six weeks later. This is the new this is my stepmom. Six um, weeks later, he he had her ready to go. He had her lined up. There is no way. That they've just gone, well, I suppose that's the end of my relationship. And then you meet someone else. No, no, no. I don't know, Ben. I don't know when it when it transitioned from like the things I'm used to in Victorian eras where you know you go for two walks with someone, send them half a dozen letters, and then you're married. <laughs> two walks. Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds pretty extreme, actually. I feel like one walk could do it. Yeah. One walk around the park. Oh, I've had ever such a nice time. Should we get married? Yes. Probably. That's probably correct, isn't it? Yes, of course. Um. Yeah, so it's pretty pretty speedy, but then we also see the moment that his dad gives him a gift of of his camera, first, his first a, camera, which he a still gift has. of camera, which he still has. Yeah, he st- we see it on the shelf, don't we? As well. Yeah. Um, and we see also in the video another disturbing video scene, like young uh, Mark getting his first bit of peeping Tomery, having a look at a couple, oh, yeah. copping off in the in the. Park. I'd skip through that moment. I'd I'd be a bit embarrassed, and I'd skip through. I go, oh, I probably shouldn't show this to someone that I've just met. Um, but obviously his social skills like, are. Oh, you naughty boy! Naughty boy, just staring at two people copping off over there on the park bench. You dirty little bastard! Which he is. I don't know, but like you know, he is a bad boy for looking. But his dad's filming the whole thing. He's filming yeah. him watching them, and also. You know, maybe I'm just just silly old fashioned me, but I don't think people randomly cop off like in the park. I certainly wouldn't think so. They did in 1960. Yeah, this isn't like that. This isn't like teenagers. This is like people in their thirties. Yeah, <laughs> people in their thirties. People in their thirties. Again, obviously, smooching like it's the end of World War Two, like it's bloody VE Day, grabbing each other in the street. <laughs> but also like this develops into him liking watching people who are watching him as well because there's obviously some bits where he pretends somebody's filming him and he's like films them back i'm filming you right back um he loves, so that. Yeah, he loves he's... that song where it's like the boys watch, one... the girls watch the girls watch the boys watch the world go by that's him <laughs> that's peeping tom's <laughs> yeah. music that's his favorite song 
But I'm not one to kink shame. However, we will kink shame this man because he's a murderer. Okay. Yeah. So he's done in many ways. Serves him right. Serves him bloody right. Exactly. Um. So yeah, he's showing these videos to. Um. Wait, what's her name? Helen. Helen. Yeah, he's showing these videos to Helen, and she does have a sort of odd reaction to them. Like, this is very strange. I don't know why you're showing me this. I'm scared. I want to leave. But then doesn't it doesn't translate into into not wanting to be like around him. She's like, I still want to yeah, hang out with him. She and... doesn't want to watch anymore. But then I I kind of like this about Helen's character. She's like, I want to know what the meaning of this is. Imagine taking her around the Tate Modern. She, I want to know. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't make it, Helen. Stop. I didn't even... <laughs> <laughs> what is the meaning of this? Well, the brushstrokes here, what did they represent? Do you think the painter was sitting down or standing? Shut up, Helen! I know as much about this as you do. She's Googling. She'd be Googling the cast of people to see where she recognises them from. Imagine, the uh, imagine Instead of just enjoying it. Tracy Emin is there. You know, oh, I've just done this on my bed. Tracy! Fucking I have Want to know Wait, what this is meant to me? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, yes, like, Helen would not have any of it. She demands... John Lennon and Yoko Ono already did this. <laughs> yeah. and they, they they were in the 1960s she would have been contemporary with them Helen would have seen them walking down the street tackle them so Helen's having none of it um, but as you say then she leaves and then um, he does get a bit of an explanation saying look my dad he was a scienceman and he loved to know about fear and he's just as he explains it, he gets a book about it and he goes, Oh, you go, put it back on the shelf now. The book about my dad. There's more than there's the more fear. than one book as well. Like he's got <laughs> a load of books about it. It's dad's bloody the scarecrow. Just desperate to understand about fear. <laughs> Give it a bloody rest, will you? God, get on with your life. You got a, you got you got a nice wife now. I know things, your other wife died, but you got a nice wife, so just chill out. Things that, can, things that can cause fear. He's got a checklist. Number one, big red letters, lizard. Number one, big red lizard. Number two, shiny small light lizard. Yeah. <laughs> small green, shiny light. Shiny Komodo light dragon. Anyways. That's Komodo dragon is the final experiment. That is, I reckon. Yeah, Actual that's the bit dragon. we didn't see. Um, so, um, we then go to Mark's day job. He works as a tape measure focus man at the at the studio. He's like a. He has got like so many his fingers in all the pies. He's like he's he's there to do the technical stuff about the filming, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. And um, the director is getting his air off because there's a woman who just can't vape properly. <laughs> she just can't. Wait, is this before? Before this is after the oh she the dance. she 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 yeah this is this is before the dance and then oh yeah this is before right now the the star of the movie yeah, is not faint enough now she's later on she faints too much. Um, I so when the middle, I want the middle ground. The director's like, Can you just faint, please? Can you just forget that you're beautiful and just faint for just if you just could just faint, please? And the woman's doing some oh no, fainting, so and she's like a hundred takes of trying to faint. Um, meanwhile, the actor has a stand in, um, Diane. Oh no, Diane is the female cast member. Um, how how terrible the name of the actual stand-in, not properly in there. Dora. Dora possibly no. Dora is the is the woman at the start. 
I believe. Oh yeah, Dora's died at the start. Dora. Vivian. Vivian. Yeah, so the set is closed, isn't it? So essentially, he's like. And they've, they've Mel- making a, a film. Making a, a, is he making a film a of secret, her, or is it like some sort of? Come up with a secret date, right? Because the stand-in really wants some time in front of the camera, and she's oh, I've got, I've got a, I've got a date tonight, and another lad, like one of his buddy filmmates, one of his workmates, who really wants to take their relationship into hanging outside. It. Well, I want to talk to you about that new film down at the the Everyman. He said, Yeah, I'd love it, but I'm busy. All right. I'm busy, mate. I ain't interested in going to the bloody everyman, all right? So they've so it'll, gone... become a ch- it'll become a chain in 2023, all right? So they've, um, they're, they're both having a date, and neither of them say who the date is with because they're doing some clandestine filming on the set after after dark. So they can both get, it, well, to what our standard Vivian's character says. It's a um, experience. She wants, she wants, you know, some time in front of the camera. And they, they're taking a risk and filming after dark, hoping they won't get court mark's arranged it by putting the filming light on so no one will come and bother them and also the rest of the cast and crew have left for the evening in like 1950s 60s gangster cars like the anthill mob all just piled out of a car hanging out of the top um yeah so this is it's a surreal choice but i kind of like it there's basically a like a Ginger Rogers Fred Astaire musical like almost a tap tap music number here yeah I mean it is like that isn't it um, so she she sticks her I want to say boombox it's not that but she sticks on her music and she's just dancing around um, he's he's enjoying himself doesn't he watching her and filming and they make it and like the, the and... thing is like he's, he's like moving the set around and yeah, you know, she's like dancing over the thing that he's pushing onto the onto the chests and things like that. And Dangerous. then he opens Chekhov's luggage. Um, Chekhov's someone... blue luggage thing. Yeah, someone's going up in that trunk, aren't they? Um, I reckon so. Obviously, Vivian is a song and dance woman, and she's having fun and she's laughing and she's saying, "Oh, the thing you want me to film is me being really scared." I don't. I don't understand how to do that, Mark. Can you give me some motivation? He's like, okay. Well, imagine instead of being a man that maybe you have some romantic interest in, in, maybe imagine this bloke wants to kill you. Oh, and maybe as a secondary thing, you can imagine his tripod for his camera has a spike at the end, and he knocks a little cork <laughs> off the bottom, and there's a spike, and then have you pr- have you put a spike on your tripod just for this moment? Oh no, you haven't, have you? You're actually a wrong one. And before she realizes it, as he's backing her towards the case, really good scene, like really more extended and the psychology of the scene, like you know what Mark's plan is, but it doesn't turn, it doesn't dawn on her until quite an extended period. Like it's, um, mm. it's really tense watching it go through. Yeah. It's, it's interesting watching their, their eyes sort of chain, not, I don't want to sound like Mark. Um, it's interesting watching their faces kind of change from being like, oh, yeah, this is all a bit silly, isn't it? Fun and games to going, oh, I'm a bit unsure about this. To being, he's going to bloody kill me. He's going to spike me in the neck. <laughs> yeah, because that's how he does it. He gets the, there are so many people that get pierced with a spike in this film. It's unreal. Um, right in the neck, right in the neck as well. Which I mean, is probably again, the worst place to get pierced for the by film. A spike. The film. Of its era, we don't see it happen. We just we are aware that it's 
that it's happened. Um, yeah. And then we see a little bit more after he gets home from doing doing a murder. Um, we get a scene between Helen and her mom, who it took me quite a long time into the film to realize the mom was blind. Oh, yeah, definitely. Me too. I didn't realize this. So first, her mum is chugging on the maker's mark like it's going out of fashion. She's like, I am so thirsty. I'll get you a glass of water, mum. Get me a glass of maker's mark. I didn't realize that she was blind until she said, like, oh, he's at the window. And she was like, how do you know? I'm like, he's played right there. You can see him. And I was like, oh, my God, actually, is she blind? Um, Because it's not obvious because she's not the kind of it's quite subtle blind acting. Some people do unsubtle blind acting where they're literally like, look, I'm bloody see a thing in here. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah. Like I, I genuinely, maybe I missed a line earlier on, but it's never, I didn't find it explicitly until like you see when she's confronting Mark in his room later that she doesn't, but she basically says, well, I don't trust anyone who walks quietly. Um, yeah. And then she says, pop, cause pop and see him if you want sneaking around. Pop up and see him, and she does. Helen reveals that she is um, she's a librarian and also about to be a published author. She signed that book deal about a magical oh, yeah. camera. What's it about? About a magical camera. Oh, a magical camera. Interesting. She wants. She's kids Mark's, book, right? Why have you? Why have you? Why do you want to write about a magical camera? So I'll tell you the inspiration at the time. Gives a little cheeky wink, um, and says, "Oh, maybe we'll." Um, I think this it's a bit later here that she later gets Mark to take her out for dinner and shows that there is some getting through to him because she convinces him in a date that comes later not to take his camera and it kind of separates him from his compulsions and his um yeah like his problems. when she tells him not to take the camera they're walking that he sees someone copping off again in the street and he stops and he like instinctively reaches for his camera yeah <laughs> but like <laughs> Just oh, well, I've got to film this, mate. I've got to film this. Got to have a look. Got to have a look at this. Oh, I can't hang on, bloody camera. Fuck. If you sh- if you went back in time and showed him an iPhone, he'd be absolutely loving it. Yeah, be like, oh, but yeah, I can just pretend I'm texting. <laughs> I can um, pretend I'm texting on the tube. Yeah, bloody Mark. Um, yeah, and we'll 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 come to the confrontation. His promise that he makes, but he's obviously having some feelings with Helen. He feels separate to her to everyone else, but. He is compelled the next uh, day at the studio. He almost like he wants to get caught here because the next day at the studio that's that's filming, um, the trunk that has the murder victim in it, Vivian, is going to be opened in the course of a scene. Someone uh, lifts it up. I'll just put the trunk here. So I bloody hell, this weighs a ton. And they're like, oh, okay, what you're going to do is you're going to have to have a look at a white trunk and this shop assistant, bloody hell, worked in the service industry, you've been there. You're like, oh, have a look in the white trunk, please. Yeah, fine, here you go. Oh, have you got any red luggage? He goes, yeah, yeah, sure, here you go. He goes, have you got any blue luggage? And the enthusiasm of the retail assistant. The, the luggage is literally all there, right? There's all piled up there. Can you not turn your head and look to see what colour of luggage we've got? Could I have Ignorant. some blue luggage? Goes, of course, madam. And then yes, the actor no does some problem. great heavy acting. He's like, oh, this one's really heavy. <laughs> Yanks it out and then so we open it. Turn. We open it and again, we don't see, so it's from behind the camera's perspective. The luggage is opened up like a Legend of Zelda treasure chest, but instead of that beautiful fanfare, <laughs> the actress having... The smell of death. A brutally murdered woman collapses and the director's like, for fuck's sake, the one time I didn't want you to faint. 
no, you're bloody. I think, oh, no, now I feel like the asshole. Sorry, sorry, there is a dead woman in there. Um, get the polis out. Like the asshole. Yeah, get a polis uh, out because there's a dead body. Did they make the connection between this and like the other person who was killed? They don't, they, do they think it's like they a... do because the police come and unless it's just coincidental, because then we see a scene between two policemen who are saying, oh, Coming to get yeah. this, um, coming to get. Oh, I don't believe we're going to visit like this big film studio. Maybe they'll be discovered as a star. And then the detective is like saying, Well, you know, be a bit of a break actually, because sick of this murder that I've not been able to solve. No clues. Yeah, zero bloody clues. Um, and then they start questioning everybody, don't they? Um, Including Mark, who doesn't seem to particularly bother, does he? It's not like he's, he's super worried. Pretty he loves casual the, about he loves it. The, yeah, game. Want, loves the thrill of it. Do you want to look at my camera, actually? You never find anything on there. <laughs> do you want to have a look at my camera? Yeah, oh, at you that. won't find anything on there, and he realizes he hadn't deleted it. Oh, shit. Give it back. I think you can't really watch it back on those things. So there wasn't a little screen. You That's watch true. It back That's it, true. Yeah. Mess about with it if you like. Um, <laughs> so. He sets the police go and like you know you think they're onto them and it's like, oi, you want to watch out and he's like, oh what sorry because make me bloody famous will you putting me on camera and he's like, oh don't that's worry that's how it works um, that's how it works again his compulsion to see the events of the murder he creeps up into the rafters of the studio to yeah. um to film well he gets his cam he gets his camera out to film the exact moment that. That the woman sort of discovers the dead body because he wants that to see the moment of like her shock and fear. E. Blay loves fear when no lizards are involved. Yeah, don't like it when the shoes on the other foot. Doesn't like being spooked with the lizard. But he likes seeing other people scared, and he wants to catch this footage of them talking about the body and the police looking at it. But he gets almost rumbled by pencils. <laughs> Pens wait pencils what? Wait, the way you said it then was like pencils was a nickname for someone. No, pencils the items or just random stationery. To be fair, by modern standards, there's too many pencils in his shirt pocket there. Yeah, too many pencils indeed. And while he's too leaning over the raptors to try and film the thing, basically half a partner's uh, stationery shop falls out of his pocket and dings onto the floor. <laughs> What an idiot. Because no one can take their job seriously. It was like, I, hang on, the, the detective shushes everybody when the pencils all fall down out the rafters. And then some, some mug hams it up and goes, I thought I heard a wabbit. No, I thought I saw a I thought yeah. I saw a pussycat. Which takes all the tension out of the bloody scene. I go, what are you bloody playing? I thought I tore a pretty... T are you right, mate? Do you stay at home watching cartoons all day long, you moron? <laughs> no, no one can solve this murder. You idiot. Yeah. Can you imagine if that happened in any type of stealth situation? Be like, you know, you hear a noise, you're guarding like the nuclear bunker or something like that. Oh! I thought <laughs> I thought. Oh, that's a good one. Moving I've had, on. I've had, I've had an absolute guts fall working with you every single day. I'm sick of it. Find someone else. <laughs> that bite, he probably just porky pig at the end of each shift. <laughs> yeah, see you tomorrow. Dave, you twat. <laughs> <laughs> he must maybe he's got like a Looney Tunes type of name. He's Detective Foghorn Leghorn. Um, so they're 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 they're, they're solving it. They, they he gets away with it again, but because it is in the newspaper, um, Helen's mom 
is a little bit suspicious. What studio does he work at again? Not the murder yeah, one. She's very suspicious of him. She's very astute. She knows what's going on. Um, yeah. So Helen goes out for dinner with him. That's the bit where you see where he sees that family. She convinces him not to take the camera. But they what did they, where do they go? What do they have for dinner? Because I swear when they're going for dinner, he went, I know a great place that does a brilliant Christmas dinner. <laughs> what is it Christmas dinner? <laughs> Stuffing, pigs in blankets. So you don't have to pay uh, extra for. It's nineteen sixty. I imagine London. Sixty. I imagine jelly deals, eels and mash. <laughs> jelly deals, mash. Uh, what's cockles and mussels? Like? Alive, alive. What's, what's the gravy stuff called? It's got a weird name. Gravy stuff. Dripping. <laughs> <laughs> Bread and dripping. Bread and dripping. Lard an inch thick on a <laughs> slice of bread. Back in my day, we used to eat this. Well, exactly. That's why you did. That's why you died at forty-eight. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's why you look sixty when you're thirty-two. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Eccles cakes they have. Um, spotted dick, all the foods. Uh, my so mash liquor. It's called liquor. That's what they call it. Like <laughs> the like the sort of, like the gravy stuff. I say gravy, but I think it's just like it's green, isn't it? It's green. Parsley lovely, liquor. Lovely green parsley liquor. Yum, yum, yum. I'll tell you what this pie of mash is crying out for. A load of liquor. What? Excuse me? 1960s London, I imagine. Barely any curry houses by that time. There wasn't like, you know, they didn't have all the choice we had today. You couldn't couldn't nip down waggers. No. No. Liquor is made from fish stock, flour and parsley. I'm sure you'd want to know that. But yeah, that's <laughs> no, what know. Maybe we'll have an authentic London experience and that's what we'll go for dinner while we're at Fright Fest, Ben. We'll go for a Sounds amazing. high mash I'm eels definitely... and liquor. I'm definitely up for that. Um... Eel pie. Um, so they have a they have a lovely time. They 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 go... They have a kiss, I think, afterwards. And they have a brief oh, kiss no, he, when they get he, home. He's really awkward, but she leans in and gives him a little peck. And, but he promises oh, yeah. that he's never going to photograph her. He says, I'll never photograph you. It's not about I'll her. never photograph you. Yeah, he says that. But, but she wants but, him to get the photographs for her book because the publishers, interfering as always, are saying, Oh, love some illustrations for this book. Um, he goes, No, I want photographs. He agrees that, that anything is possible in photography. So he, he commits to get them for her. And then when he gets home, um her mom is in his room and she sensed that he's a wrong one. And there's they obviously are some commonalities between because her walking stick also has a spike on it. I'm confused by this. Is this a common thing? Like, what is it like? Okay, you might be blind, right? But you'll never ever know when you need to immediately defend yourself against some unseen foe. So spike on the end, or maybe sort of picking stuff up. Like if you drop something, picking it up as long as it's spikeable. Yeah, so she can do some letter picking. So she could do she could do as she, much later picking as she, she wants. She holds him at bay with it when he approaches them, but she's very defensive and she like gets so I was conf- at knife point like Zorro. I was confused by this. So she does say that she like stands in his room and watches him at night, but the way she's saying it is she's trying to say because she's blind, she's downstairs, she can kind of like picture herself in the room with him while yeah, he's like that, watching his films is that right that's, that's what i took not that she's like doctor strange she can astral project into his room yeah. um but she's physically gone up there this time instead of just imagining and she she knows this darkness inside him and again he reassures her i'll never 
Um, I'll never photograph Helen. I actually think she's a bit of all right. Um, yeah. And he puts the latest snuff film on because he goes, oh, he says, what what film you put on now? The goes, latest one. And you can lie. And he goes, oh, but I won't because she knows. She's on to him, basically. The, Tell uh, me what I'm watching. She even like sort of like tries to feel it in a way which is quite odd but she's like sort of like tell me what i'm watching yeah. and then but mark's livid because he, he sees the he plays vivian's murder but think is well. deeply disturbed that the lighting's not right or he cuts too soon yeah something like that i think like he's he's mugged he's fucked it off so you can't do two takes when you kill someone can you no that's the problem with the films it's really one shot one opportunity <laughs> exactly um so yeah, he's obviously super disappointed by that. Fuming, slams his fists on the wall. Um, how does he get rid of her in the end? He just promises that I won't photograph your daughter, all right? Like, and she's like, just see that you don't. And he helps her back downstairs. Like, it's it's really weird. And again, we're we're going through it quickly, and we're just looking at observations here. But serious bit of film analysis for a moment. The power dynamic in this scene, how it changes that, who is in control of the situation, who is afraid of who, and which really, yeah. really skillfully done it, weaves in and out of it here. Mm. Really, really interesting. Yeah, definitely. I, I, it's, it's, it's incredibly well made. Um, so the next sequence is there's a psychiatrist man who's called to the set to console Diane, obviously after she's seen the seen a body in a trunk because I think they try and do a scene, don't they? And, right, another time. And unfortunately they've tried to reschedule the scene. So instead of looking for luggage, she wants different hats of different colors. But when she asks for the blue hat, she oh, yeah. and runs out. Oh, there might be a goes, we probably need to give her a day or two off, not half an hour. Yeah. Let's say that. And it also says, um, I hope there's not a dead body in that blue hat. <laughs> I'm absolutely terrified. There's not. Look. Have a look. Don't turn it upside yeah. down when it falls out. <laughs> Don't trust you. Um, so yeah, but Mark takes this opportunity to talk to um this this psychiatrist who's familiar with his father's work. And then again, is like talking about being a voyeur, well not a peeping Tom as such, and asking the psychiatrist about various things. Um which is kind of weird. But then the psychiatrist grasses him up. Yeah. I was chat. I was chatting to that peeping Tom, uh, peeping Mark, and he was sort of saying, "Do you reckon anyone who's a voyeur can be can be cured?" Because that's the thing. Like, even though he does these things, clearly he yearns for some sort of a normal life, um, yeah. and maybe maybe with Helen as well. Um, yeah. So, kind of to get it out of his system, he rushes to see. Um, uh, he rushes to see the same lady, uh, Millie that he took photos of before. And again, like there's a there's a tragedy to her character as well. She talks about more bruises and her boyfriend and she's you know oh, yeah. cancelled another date to come and take some photographs with him. And she does lie naked on the bed and say, Oh, you know, should it be dangerous to be in a room with you alone? Maybe it'd be more interesting if it was, because she doesn't really see him as a threat. She sees him as this kind of yeah. mild photographer character. It is revealed later, I think, when the police are doing their stuff that he does kill her at this point, but we don't really see it. He just kind of looks on at I her, think, right? Because he leaves he, he leaves the news agents, locks the door, puts the key through the letterbox, um, and the police are kind of like monitoring him. 
And I think the police, it was revealed a little bit later. The police have been him. following him and he sees just before he shuts the curtain. So at this point, like he's not Meek really... Mild Mark murdered Millie. That's that's what the news of the world would say, or the observer. Um Well, whatever paper that we saw at the start would we'll just say, Girl dead. <laughs> Girl dead. Um, Girl question mark dead. Dead. Exclamation mark. Um so he knows they're on to his script, but he kind of has an end game and he doesn't really seem to be too concerned about being caught at this point because he sees them outside the news agents, but pulls the blinds down um, while he's doing this and kind of fulfilling this need to try and get the images that he really wants to satisfy his compulsion and to, I guess, to a degree, you know, understand his, like, fulfill his need to kill people at this point as well. Helen's nipped around his house and is curious about his films, goes and has a watch of him, and he goes, I've it's a bloody murder film, isn't it? She's, it's a bloody murder film. I knew it. She's, she's like, really Tell upset. me this isn't real. It's just a movie, isn't it, Mark? Tell me it's not real, not a real life murder. Someone's getting spiked in the neck. Someone's getting spiked, and it's the woman that was <laughs> her headshot was on the front of this newspaper. So it's definitely her. Um, Mark promises that as to, he gets Helen to look, and again, really, really cool bit of psychology, and not just making the killer like just a slathering lunatic, um, but having some complexity about them and some compassion, and not being entirely evil. It's not something that we see wholeheartedly, even in more modern no. films, where you, where you have an expectation of more nuance to it. He says, basically, don't look, look away. If I'm not seeing you, if I don't see you afraid, then I won't hurt you. Um, and yeah. he points the spike. Don't even pretend to be afraid. So she just goes, <laughs> I'm all right, honest, I'm fine. <laughs> and he explains yeah. his compulsion. And we finally see when we saw that light shining on people and they got afraid, what it is. It's a big distorted mirror. So people yeah. saw the look in their own face as a big spike was coming towards them. And you know what? It wasn't what I expected. Really good though. Really good metaphorically, really good. The face of your own death would be horrid. Yeah. A big distorted mirror, like in the house of mirrors, seeing your face all wonky and weird, but also terrified as a spike comes towards your neck. I just go, I ain't looking at it. I ain't looking at it. I'll turn around. Not so good at my ass, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's not I, what guess, I, meant. I guess it's more likely that you'd survive if you got spiked in the bum rather than the, the neck oh yeah definitely um, but you know I don't reckon it does it for him Mark so he points the knife him. towards her but he refuses to kill her because of his promise to her mom and because he really cares for Helen and Helen yeah, this, cares for him I as well d- she's like you've got to, the police come and she says give yourself up. no she says you've got to go you've got to go go Mark Oh, does she? I thought you said you got to give yourself up. Or she said oh. you got to go. Okay. She's got to okay. Go. Maybe she says give yourself up, then she changes it. She says you've got to go. You've got to, you've got to go, Mark. But he he also reveals that his this earlier on in the film, he real he reveals that he's not a tenant and that he owns the house. It's his dad's house, which he's inherited, and he rents it to other people. Um but Bloody landlords. Uh, yeah. Poses London landlords, stuff. they're all the same. They're all peeping tobs with a spike on a tripod. Allegedly. Um, but yeah, the he also revealed that the entire house was wired for sound. So he's been able to hear everything that's going on. He's not just a peeping Tom. He's, he's, a, he's a listening Tom as well. A listening James. A listening Leonard. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, he's been doing it all. So he obviously, any any problem, he sort of hears the mum saying, um, well, these memories kind of replayed. He hears the mum sort of saying, oh, he's definitely a creepy creep. He's always walking quietly. He's a creep. So don't be careful of him. Um, so, yeah, but then he's got a plan, a plan that he's obviously had planned for a while because he's got so many cameras set up for this final moment, hasn't he? Yeah. And he plays, as the police come up there, he plays all of the videos of all of his murders. He's got them all queued up to run on mm. like a like a big display. We don't we don't see all this, but we can hear all the noises and the things playing. And there's it goes from being quite a quiet and thoughtful and deliberate film to being this injection of chaos at the end where we get all this noise and the films of all the murders are playing. And then yeah. he set himself up a lovely bit of a rigging whereby his spiked camera can be trained, can be attached to the wall, the spike facing out, the image facing himself, and then he walks towards it. This is final endgame, that he's going to spike his own neck with the spike and end his own well, life. Run full pelt towards it, but he runs in and stops right at the last minute, and then feeling like then... he can't do it. And he says, he, he says he's scared. He says to, to Helen, I'm scared. But he does do it. He spikes himself. Helen collapses on him and and cries, and the police, you know, as they enter the room, he is dead. She is helped up, and we we just end on that moment. I think another feature of films like this as well, like modern filmmaking, just, tend yeah. to have to have a conclusion. Whereas this, it's just this has happened. The, the conclusion in this, if this was a, if this was a modern film, the conclusion would be Helen. Um, she's now the landlady, and all the rooms are full of lovely things and cakes. And his mo- her mother is blind, but she's doing a tap dance. I don't know. Yeah, I think well. a modern film you'd get like a six months later, Helen would be having coffee in like an Italian an Italian bistro, and her publisher would have nope. sent her first copies of her book, and you know yeah. she just have a little moment. But as she's but as she's leaving, she too, sees two people copping off. And at the last moment, she stops and turns and, and back. watches. She has a little watch back and then takes her camera out. Dirty yeah, and then her name is now Peeping. It's the female equivalent of Tom. Um, Trudy. Tam. Tammy. <laughs> Tam, Peeping Tammy. Peeping Ellen. Uh, and that is it. That is, that is Peeping Tom. It ends on on that final final moment uh so have you got any name game for this or did did, did you want to talk got, about any i've got just a couple for you ben you have got you got any trivia to begin with uh you could start with the name game i haven't got any trivia at the moment okay in that case let me um tell you then so the first one let's have a have you got the synopsis of this one and i'll, I'll work it in the synopsis of this film is uh a serial killer murders women using the portable film cameras to record their dying expressions of terror. Okay, a uh, serial killer um, falls on hard times. He's not a serial killer. That'd be don't want to get myself sued. But um, in the ni- in nineteen sixties London, um, a former football manager and pundit has a good old cry after being cancelled for horrible racist comments. Peeping, weeping, Ron. That's really weird that you should bring that up because I literally was watching an interview about that. What, like two days ago? Weeping, Ron. And I don't know if I'd even would have remembered it unless. <laughs> that's, that's strange. Uh, yeah, Ron cancelled. He was like, 
sorry to sorry to delve into this. He was like, oh, allegedly what I said. It's like we've literally got a recording of you saying it. And he's gone, well, allegedly I've said a racist thing. He was on his own as well. He wasn't talking to anyone. He was on his own, like talking oh, under his breath. On his own being a racist. Soz Ron. So, uh, yeah, have a, he's having a week about it in this film. Have you got any? Do you want me to roll on for another one for you? Okay. Um, this is um, a man, serial killer who is doing all the murders, uh, the expressions of terror, but he wants them to be silent when they're doing it. Be silent. And he's and he tells them to... A, a, a little version of, of telling someone to shut up. Um, shushing. <laughs> keeping. Or keeping stum. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Keeping stum. <laughs> Why do you just oh, keep stum about it, for God's sake? Very good. Um, I will say to you then, uh, a 1960s serial killer finds himself ever frust- frustrated and frustrating the police when he goes around and tampers with their cars. So if you press the horn, nothing happens. Beeping. It's not there anymore, is it? Beeping gone. Beeping gone. Very good. <laughs> Beeping gone. Um, um, so I, I hope I've got this right. I feel like I've forgotten it now. A serial killer who murders people using a portable film camera to record their dying expressions of fear. Except um, it, he's, a, he's Australian in this one. Except when he meets an English person and he just wants to say hello to them. How would an uh, Australian it, person... Does it be greeting Pom? <laughs> greeting Pom, correct. All right, Pom's, right, that's that. Um, it's another one for you though, Ben. Um, a serial killer that kills people uh, with a portable camera and captures their final expressions of fear manages to cleverly evade arrest by the police by always pretending to have a sleep whenever they come round to arrest him. Sleeping. What was the first bit? He's a, he's a serial killer, but the police can never arrest him because they always think he's having a kip. He's not really. Sleeping, he's faking Tom. it. He's faking it. Sleep. Though. Oh, sleeping. Pretend sleep. <laughs> yes, it is sleeping. Sleeping. What type of sleeping is it? What? 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 What trick is he pulling on the police? Like, oh, we can't arrest him while he's asleep. Give him a minute. Sleeping. No, I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's a sleeping con. That's what that is. Ah, for God's sake! I hate it. I hate it when my brain won't do words. Okay, I got one more for you. Mm-hmm. Um, a serial killer murders women while using a portable film camera to record the dying expressions of terror. But before the police can apprehend him, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. But the host of Cowboy Builders, caught red-handed, maximum security, fake Britain, comes for him. But as Mark's escaping, he manages to jump over the host. Oh, to get he's, away. Not, he's not a very tall man, is he? Leaping Dom. <laughs> he's leaping over Dom Littlewood. Get out of the way, leaping Dom Littlewood. It's When you Google Dom Littlewood, it says he's 58 and he's 1.71 meters, in case you're worried. Leaping Dom. <laughs> um, have you got, got any? I've got one more for you. 
Um, while a serial killer stalks London streets, um, killing people with a portable camera with a spike on it um, and <laughs> filming their dying memories, um, elsewhere, having slagged off the beach that makes you get get old by M. Night Shyamalan calling it shite on a well-publicised video, a Doctor Who and stage actor has to sneak into future screenings of M. Night Shyamalan's films to avoid more public ire. Sneaking. Sneaking. It's John, right? John Barrowman. Yeah, sneaking or sneaking creeping John. John is what I'd take. Get out of here, John Barrowman, you knobhead. <laughs> also, I realised, I, I, didn't, I didn't put this two and two together. <laughs> He is also in like one of those Megalodon films, like Megalodon Three. Yeah, he's like Megalodon he is... Three. The one that talks about. And he's. And do you remember? Yeah, he says to the main character, "Hey, I'm going to take you home and eat your pussy." He was happy to deliver that line, which he ad libbed. Yeah, which he said he's got a line he wants to put in here. He's happy to think that's great, but when he goes and watches M Night Shyamalan's old, he goes, "This is one step too far for me and shit films." A beach that um, makes you get old? No. No. Not um, in terms of trivia, it is director Michael Powell in the video of Mark when he's a kid, and it's his actual son. And apparently, critics of the film said they were offended by it because it borders on abuse, um, lizard on the lizard on the lap, and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> Unless he Powell's, likes the lizard, he's acting. Powell's son said he finds these criticisms laughable. Um, it's also one of Martin Scorsese's favorite films. He lists it as in terms of his favorite films, um, and apparently the the movie also destroyed the career of Michael Powell, the director. It's a shame. Okay. Michael Powell, the director, made a very good film. Yeah, exactly. There we go. Then that is Peeping Tom. We got to rate the movie A to F. Rate good, rate bad. Minuses and pluses are are acceptable. I think. Sorry to jump in there. I think I'd go as far as like a B plus. I don't think I'd go into the A territory just because I think it's a very well made film. It's like as the first time seeing it, I I was I was gripped throughout, and I can see how it's um, obviously inspired decades of of other movies mm. as well, and things that like are present in this film, which are still present in films forty sorry sixty years later. So yeah, I think a B plus. I think the performances are great. Um and yeah, it feels like one of those films that hasn't the the value of it hasn't gone down in time. It feels like it's it become it's become more of a classic, and especially considering it came out the same year as Psycho, perhaps it isn't discussed as much in horror circles as it should be. But solid, enjoyed yeah. it. I'm gonna join you on a B plus. I think then I think it's um very very interesting the same my b plus is probably just based on i haven't got such a history with this film this was my first watch as well but um really well made like really gripping storytelling um you know it doesn't have the the gratuity i guess that we used to and as a modern film audience but really compelling and i enjoyed the complexity of the character as well so yeah really solid i'd recommend this to anyone who is interested in your film history and the sort of um the opening shots in like what is a one of our favorite subgenres of horror now. Yeah, well worth watching out of B plus from me. Amazing. Wonderful. Glad we covered this one. 
um, and great suggestion, Andy. Uh, yeah, so thanks everybody for listening. Obviously, next week's episode will be the big Fright Fest 2023 extravaganza, but we will be dropping bonus episodes between now and then with like some interviews and some other things that we'll be doing. Um, so please check in on that. And yeah, and if you are attending, of course, find me and Andy and Luke Condor with a K and come and say hello if you listen to the show, if you're a fan, or you know, come and get involved and and join us talking about some yeah. films as well. We're happy to chat to to people. Bring along your suggestions of what your horror hangout movie is. That's what I'm going to be asking you if I see you. I'm going to get that camera in your face and I'm going to say, "Tell us, <laughs> your friends are coming yeah. around. You're choosing a horror movie. You've got one shot, one opportunity. What are you picking? Come bring you're us getting that, the camera in their face, peeping Tom style. Yeah, I'll be getting um, out my coat. But if you're, but if you if you're copping off at the event, don't worry, we won't be watching. We're looking the other way. Uh, yeah, we so don't care very about much. that. You live your own life. Do what you want. Uh, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout. Thanks to our current patrons: John Crinnan, Ben Scape, Stephen Christopher, Toby Miller, Scott Rigby, Lane Spencer, Ollie Child, Leslie Carla, Julia Bilgren, Nick Spill, Troy Burst, Rosalind Harnies, and Pazuzu. Thanks to Taj Easton for our theme music. Thanks to Acast for hosting the show. Please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the Facebook group Horror Hangout Board of Advisors for more. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Horror Hangout Podcast. If you search that, you'll find us. Keep up to speed with all of our social channels over the Fright Fest weekend because we will be posting regularly. Obviously not spoiling films, but we'll be talking about films that we've seen and enjoyed and talking to filmmakers um, about their movies as well. So yeah, see you then. See you next week. Bye for now, everybody. We get ourselves packed then. Get on the road. Get ourselves packed. How many pairs of pants do you reckon I need? At least. You're watching horror movies. Bring spares. (laughs) Okay, I'll pack three. Okay, see you later. See you later, boy. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. On Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.